Does your tiny house have a name? I hiked part of the long trail and I got a trail name when I was doing that. And they named me Tiny Mountain after my tiny house. So I've been named after my house, but it has not been named yet. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 69 with Sierra Martin. For the past three years, anytime I rode my bike north from Burlington on the bike path, I've been seeing a cute little tiny house taking shape in the driveway of a house that borders the path. I was excited when I finally found out who the builder and dweller of the house was, my guest, Sierra Martin. For this interview, I actually traveled to the house and we conducted the interview in person, a first for the Tiny House Lifestyle podcast. Sierra's tiny house is uniquely suited to her lifestyle as she goes to physical therapy school at the University of Vermont. She's made some unique choices in the home, like heating with a pellet stove, storing three of her four bicycles inside, and living without plumbing. In the interview, I'll ask Sierra about the choices that she made for the house, how building the house has changed her for the better, and what she would do differently if she could do it all over again. I want to tell you about the sponsor for today's episode, Jamaica Cottage Shop, pioneers of the PCK, or pre-cut kit. You can literally build one of hundreds of buildings, from sheds to tiny houses and even larger cabins, yourself. All of the precision-cut pieces for the building come labeled and color-coded with clear, easy-to-follow instructions, shipped to you for free almost anywhere in North America. The kits are 100% made in the USA from rough sawn hemlock and eastern white pine. I personally used a Jamaica Cottage Shop pre-cut kit when I needed to build a 5 foot by 8 foot storage shed for my tiny house, and the cost was literally less than if I had gone to the lumberyard to buy the raw materials myself. Plus, having all the pieces pre-cut and labeled saved a ton of build time. Right now, Jamaica Cottage Shop is offering listeners of our show $100 off a purchase of $1,000 or more. Just head over to jamaicacottageshop.com slash THLP and use or mention the coupon code THLP when you order. That's jamaicacottageshop.com slash THLP, coupon code THLP, for $100 off a purchase of $1,000 or more. Limit one use per customer, expires November 30th, 2019. Cannot be combined with any other promotion and does not apply to past or current orders. Thank you so much to Jamaica Cottage Shop for sponsoring our show. All right, I am here with Sierra Martin. With no prior construction experience, Sierra built a tiny house to live in. She resides in it while attending graduate school for physical therapy. She aims to live minimally and maximize experiences. In the past three years, she has used three disposable cups. Sierra fills her free time exploring the outdoors locally and globally. Sierra Martin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ethan. It's nice to be here. It's good to be here, too. And I should actually say that this is my first in-person interview. So we are actually sitting in your tiny house. And thanks for having me. No problem. It's nice to have another person in here. Awesome. Yeah. Whenever I walk into someone else's tiny house, I immediately am drawn to all the ideas that other people have that I didn't have. And I'm like, oh, that's such a great idea. Why didn't I think of that? And one of the ones that I'll just describe for listeners is just you have dormers 
um, just like I have dormers in my house, but yours are right in the middle of the house. So it, it kind of lends the great room this really open, spacious feel. How did you how did you design the house? Were you inspired by other tiny houses or was this just completely completely on your own? So um, when I started out, like Ethan said, I had no prior construction experience. And um, one thing I wanted to do was have the opportunity to kind of customize the inside how I wanted it. But I wanted it to be structurally sound and know that what I built was going to work well. So um, I started looking at plans that people had out there, and I stumbled across this book called Dan Lush, or by Dan Lush, it's called Tiny Home Builders. Uh, my mom actually gave me it for Christmas, and after looking through that and getting some ideas of how to do construction things, I realized that he made trailers as well as plans. So I purchased his plans and used those to build my tiny house. Oh, nice. So this is one of the Dan Lush designs yes which which one is it um i believe it's his first first one um just tiny the tiny tiny home home. the tiny home yeah it's the one on the cover of his book oh nice yeah that's awesome and i i actually bought that book as well while i was building my tiny house yeah and found it to be very helpful just it really breaks down the build process for beginners you know from framing on up Mm mm-hmm one nice thing that he now has is this e-workshop, so you can get a subscription to that and like see him actually go through the steps, which is much easier than YouTube in some ways. Definitely. Plus on YouTube, like you never know whether what you're seeing is actually the right way to do it or if it's just the way that that person is doing it. Absolutely. Well, the end result is really beautiful, so, you know, as usual for anyone who's listening, I'll try to post pictures of the house on the show notes page, which uh, I'll, I'll give the URL towards the end of the show. I wanted to ask you about why you decided to build a tiny house. We were chatting a little bit before, before we started recording, but maybe you, you could kind of retell us like the math and, and why you decided to do it. Yeah. So um, after high school, I took a gap year and I did a lot of traveling. I went to Ecuador and did this program called Croca. And while I was there, we each had one basket we lived out of, and then we had our backpack when we were hiking. So I got really used to just living really minimally and only having a few sets of clothing, just the basic essentials. And when I came back, I went to Boston to college and was there for a year. And it was just very different than anything I'd ever experienced being from Vermont just the vast amount of stuff people have and how much they go through and how everyone seemed to spend their time just going out and going to coffee shops and you couldn't really find many places to just sit outside and just be. So after a year, I decided to transfer and I went to North Carolina for a semester, realized it was similar to Vermont, but not quite what I wanted. And I was drawn back here. And during the whole time, I went through a lot of different roommates, lots of living situations, um, realized how much living somewhere can cost. And when I came back, I stayed somewhere and I worked in exchange for my room. So during that time, I wasn't paying rent to live somewhere. And I got this idea that I could build a tiny house and live in it rent free, just with the money I'd accumulated, and just have a way to sort of be more independent and self-sufficient and also replicate that living minimally that I did in Ecuador. 
So um, one day I went to Resource, which is a local store in Burlington where you can buy used construction stuff. Just kind of went through our brows with my family. And when we were there, we stumbled across some wooden floorboards. And they were really nice. And I ended up purchasing them as the first thing to go into my house. And as soon as I made the like $200 purchase, I was in it for the long haul. So I started looking a little more into how you can go about building a tiny house and what types of materials you can use and whether I want plumbing or heating, all the different things and just living as minimally as I could while also having certain comforts I wanted. Yeah. So when we were talking before, you mentioned that you kind of had come up with a calculation of like, if I lived in the tiny house for X Mm -hmm. X number of months or years, I, I would break even on rent. Can you can yeah. you let us know what that is? Yep. So um, living in Burlington, can it's a wonderful city, but it can be a little expensive. Uh, I attended undergraduate school here at UVM, and I'm now in the physical therapy program. So I've been here for around four years. I'll be here for two more. And rent in Burlington is around $10,000 a year for a studio apartment that's relatively nice. And I decided that living in a tiny house that I built could be way less expensive than paying to rent a place to live every year. And I would end up with this product at the end that I could have with me for the rest of my life. So, so far, my house has cost just under $30,000. And that equates to living in Burlington for three years. And given that I've lived lived here for four years... I've actually saved money over what I would have paid to live here, not living in my house, and had my own personal space that I really connect to because I built it. Nice. Did you have much construction experience before you started? So when I started, I couldn't even change a drill bit. I actually, in my old apartment, I had to hang some hooks on my wall, and I had to have my brother come over to show me how to install a drill bit and a screw and how to put it into a stud in the wall. So I had no experience when I started. It's knowing that and seeing what you've accomplished, it's even more impressive because like there aren't like I'm looking around and everything is like neatly finished. There are no like sometimes you see in houses like these whoops, like someone didn't think through that or like left this hole over here, but it looks amazing. Thank you. It's funny because I'm a huge perfectionist and uh, my main person who helped me with the project was my mother. She's an accountant. Uh, She doesn't really have construction experience either too much. We actually had to go out and buy all the tools brand new to use, but um, we're both very much perfectionists and throughout this whole process, we've learned a little bit how to be less of a perfectionist. Like with the rough wood, when you're doing all of that, it doesn't matter if every piece is perfectly perfect or if it has some dirt on it or like miss marks, it doesn't make a difference. So I think that's been really beneficial for me learning to be okay with the imperfections because odds are no one notices them except you. And um, just taking the time to enjoy where I am while I'm here and not solely focusing on building the house. Awesome. Have you found that living in a tiny house is helping helping you with that lifestyle goal of being outside more? I think it definitely has. Um, I mountain bike a lot. 
And just living in the tiny house in Burlington, I'm really close to all these trails. I also, I have a tiny house, but I don't have a car. So I commute via bike every day. It's like four miles to and from campus. So that in and of itself enables me to be outside every day by forcing me to through commuting. So that's really great. Even when I have a really busy day, I still have time where I'm outside. That's awesome. And, you know, we're lucky that Burlington is such a bikeable city and they seem like they're working on making it more bikeable every every year. Yes. So there are some other really unique choices in this house. And I think that what I want to ask you about is your choice in heater. Um, Can you tell us about, you know, what you chose and why? Yeah. So I have a pellet stove. It's, um, I believe, Castle brand. And it's just this tiny little stove, um, but it takes up a nice amount of space, I guess. Um, So it's for a thousand square foot space. My tiny house is 160 square feet. That being said, I run chronically cold. I'll be wearing like five layers in the summer when everyone else just has a tank top and I'll still be cold. So it was really important to me to have a stove that would keep me warm. And when I have it set up in the summer, I have it in the corner while I have my air conditioner here. But when I have it set up in the winter, I have these two camp chairs I can unfold and bring out. And I just love to sit in front of the pellet stove and aesthetically seeing the flame was so important to me. Like most people go home and watch television, but when I get home, I like to just have a cup of tea and sit in front of the fire and listen to a podcast or just sit there with someone. Nice. And so for those who are listening who maybe don't know what a pellet stove is, can you just explain, you know, like what are pellets? What is a pellet stove? So a pellet stove is similar to a wood stove, but the big difference is that someone has compacted all the wood. They've pretty much taken wood sawdust and put it into these little pellets, almost like like putting stuff inside a pill. And um, you just feed them into the top and the pellet stove slowly drops them into the hopper and you get a sustained flame over time. So... You just turn it on. You don't have to worry about refilling it or chopping wood like with a traditional wood stove. And um, mine keeps my house at like 70 or 80 degrees if it's just on for like an hour or so, which is great just because I'm cold. What Do you have a sense of what your heating costs were last winter? I probably bought like 30 pellet bags, I would say. So they're $5 each, so around $150 for the winter. That's amazing. Yeah, it's it's nice because it gets it so warm because it's for such a big space, like 10 times the size of my space, that it really doesn't cost much to heat. And when I'm not here, I don't have it on because I have no plumbing in my house, so I don't have to worry about pipes freezing. That was a huge decision when I was thinking about plumbing. Yeah, that's kind of a perfect illustration to me of how tiny houses really force you to pick these these major decisions and they result in some big trade-offs. So, I mean, one of the big reasons why I didn't choose a wood stove, despite loving the aesthetics, is that I knew that I wanted plumbing, so I knew that I needed the house to stay warm while I was gone. And so 
the idea of having to have a wood stove and then an, a backup heating system just felt so overly complicated and expensive for such a small house that I just went with a propane stove just to heat the whole house. So it sounds like the aesthetics and that style of heater was more important to you than, than having plumbing. Yes. And so cool in terms of tiny houses, how you can have people who just pick vastly different things that are important to them. Like everyone has their individual things that they need to sustain a certain level of comfort while enjoying themselves. And it's so variable. Yeah, absolutely. So another thing that I've noticed, I like tiny house people, like I think that People who don't know any tiny house people assume that we're all like super minimalists and like I'm I am not a super minimalist like we all I feel like we all have our things that we like like I'm a big skier and between my wife and I we have an embarrassing number of pairs of skis Mm -hmm. and I'm also a musician and I own several guitars and like I've because we live in these small spaces rather than having them all at home like I have a guitar at my mom's house and I have a guitar in the tiny house and I have a guitar over here and over there. You seem to be big into cycling. Yes. yes. How many how many bikes do you own? <laughs> um I have four bikes. I have a full suspension mountain bike, a hardtail mountain bike, a commuter bike and a road bike. And three of them live in my tiny house with me. Nice. And I I've actually I want to post a picture of this, but you actually have uh, the hardtail mountain bike suspended from the ceiling pretty cleverly. Yeah, I uh, jury-rigged it up a few weeks ago. Um, just thought about what would work best. I think it's funny because I took a physics class in college and had an awful time with it. I did well, but it was so hard and so not relevant. And I think through building the tiny house and even just putting my bike up, I've applied physics in so many ways that are way more meaningful than what I've learned in the classroom. That's awesome. <laughs> yes, I see you're using pulleys here. Yes. As a... Yes, lots of carabiners. I have so many carabiners. Your physics teacher would be proud. I'm sure they would be. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm also noticing that what I'm assuming was supposed to be the bathroom in, in the plans uh, is not a bathroom. Yes, I made a last minute decision to uh, change it. Um, so it presently has tile in it. It's actually old tile from my mother's old uh, bathroom. And I just repurposed the extra she had, which was great because it took nothing to get it. Um, but right now it has my hard or my full suspension mountain bike. And on the other side, I have my closet with all of my clothing as well as my camping gear. And um, for me, given that I didn't want to have my heat on all day and that seemed really wasteful, like the prospect of having plumbing in here wasn't really something I decided to go through with. It was originally in the plans that Dan Lush had made, but like I said, I just wanted a rough way to know it was structurally sound and then within it, I wanted to sort of mold it to my needs. So um, I decided those better to install a closet to keep on my clothing. I work at Patagonia Burlington and I have a lot of their clothing that I use for all sorts of adventures outside in my free time. So I just want somewhere that I could store things that was organized for the perfectionist in me, but also out of the way. 
Awesome. Yeah. It's great. I think what's empowering about tiny houses is that it lets each of us become the designer of our space. And they're just so flexible. Like at some point, if you did decide that you wanted to live in this away from kind of a house where you, you know, can use a shower, you could convert the the closet back into the bathroom that it showed in the plans. Yeah, absolutely. And what's really cool is through doing it all myself, if I did choose to do that, I know exactly what I'm taking apart and what needs to be done. That's awesome. Yeah. So you've gone from somebody who didn't know how to change a drill bit to somebody who is confident renovating a bathroom. Yes. Which is one of the more challenging home renovation projects. Yes, yes. I can do that. I can do tile. I can do it all. That's awesome. Yeah. Are you planning to do any more building? Um, Right now, I just have, so I haven't finished all the siding on my house yet, sort of because I've chosen to spend the nicer days mountain biking or out just doing things with people instead of working on the house every day because I know I'll get it done eventually. But um, I would like to finish that. Um, My mom has a area she wants a shed. So we have all the tools already from when we built my house. So the plan is sometime next year to do that. Yeah, otherwise we'll see what happens. That's awesome. So I wanted to also ask you about the legality. Um, So Burlington, Vermont is kind of, it's a very nice city. Uh, When I was building my tiny house, I briefly approached them about putting a tiny house here. And at that time in 2012, they were basically like, no, if you want to live in something in Burlington, it needs to meet all the residential code. But you seem like you have been here now for a couple of years I've been seeing this house. It's right. It's actually very visible to our waterfront bike path. So anybody who rides their bike north from Burlington or goes for a run are going to see this really cute tiny house. So how has that been for you? It's been great um, in terms of the bike path. Um, all these people come and like talk to me about my house and will like come off and say they love my house. Um, and it's really nice just having that local connection. But um, in terms of the parking of the tiny house, parking my house was one of the most stressful things when I started. Um, When I started it, so I started it in Bristol, Vermont, which is south of here. And it was a few years, about three years ago, and I was very shy, didn't really talk to people much. So the prospect of going up to someone and being like, hey, can I live in your driveway was absolutely terrifying to me. So I did a lot of research on it, and I actually bought your book, Tiny House Parking, to help me with figuring out how to go about it. Since you live in Vermont as well, it seemed like it'd be pretty applicable to Burlington. Um, And what ended up happening was my mom moved up here, and I decided to live in her driveway. So we parked the tiny house in her driveway and didn't hear from zoning for a while. But eventually someone came knocking on our door and they talked to my brother. And what I gathered from him was that a tiny house is legal as long as it's in the driveway. The moment you take it off and put it on the grass, it's no longer legal and they can evict you. So what I've learned through my whole process is that as long as I stay in the driveway, I'm okay. The moment I leave it, I'm in trouble. 
All right. So driveway it is. Yes. And that's that's nice that your mom doesn't mind sharing her driveway. Yes, it's very nice. One thing for me when I went to my two colleges was just I kind of realized the importance of community. And I think that oftentimes people can spend so much time trying to get away from where they've come from and their roots that they don't really take the time to stay in touch with them. So when I made the decision to come back to Vermont and go UVM, a huge part of that was just for the community of my mom and my siblings being close by and just being in the general area. And I think that living in her driveway is one of the best ways to go about fulfilling that. Um, We're really similar. We have a lot in common, so we get along great. We'll watch TV in the evening sometimes since she has TV. Um, In the winter, we'll sit by the pellet stove. And um, yeah, it's just been really nice. And I'm really grateful that she lets me live here. That's great. And I I am assuming that it's fairly new just because the wood looks really new is that there's now a deck out front. Yes, there is a deck. It went up last weekend, actually. Awesome. In preparation for you coming. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. It, if it wasn't so hot today, I would say we should have I mean, done the interview out on the deck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've had a deck since last year, but it didn't have decking on it. It just had scrap zip system panels. Okay. Um, so it's been there for quite a while, but it's nice to have it finished and looking nice. And I stay out there most mornings and have my coffee. So it's very nice sitting out there now. That's great. Yeah. Is there anything that you would do differently in this house if you could do it all over again? Um, well, you did mention how much you love my dormers in the center. Um, and I do love all the space that they provide. But the one thing that I do wish was different was that the dormers extended back into my bed space. Um, it can get a little tight up there. I actually used to have a mattress that was like two or three inches higher. So I would oh have to like army crawl in. Making the bed was not even an option. Um, so the the one thing I would change would be that. To to give yourself more head space in your bed area, either with a dormer or, you know, I've it seems like so many houses now use like a shed roof instead of a gabled roof, you know, yes. so just one pitch. I do think that there is a real, there's, Aesthetically, the gate or the gabled roof is is just cuter, and it like it says cabin mm-hmm. a little bit more. Yes, I think you're right. Does your tiny house have a name? It does not. Um, not yet. You know, mine doesn't either. Yeah, and I I'm like a little bit jealous because people come up with these great names for their houses, and I just never did. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, I don't know. I mean. I hiked part of the long trail and I got a trail name when I was doing that. And they named me Tiny Mountain after my tiny house. So I've been named after my house, but it has not been named yet. Maybe your house could just be called Sierra and, and you could be called Tiny Mountain. That would be perfect. <laughs> All right, there yeah, you go. Yeah, a little bit of each. I, you've got a great poster on the wall, on the wall actually, Shelters of the Long Trail. Um, so for those who don't know, the Long Trail is a hiking trail that goes from south to north of Vermont. And there are a lot of really cool little structures on it, mm-hmm. like 
you could even call them tiny houses. You're right. There really are. Yeah. And so you have you hiked Long Trail? So I've hiked a portion of it. Um, I've actually hiked a portion twice, which is really cool just because I've learned a lot every time I've done it. Um, the intent every time has been to do the whole thing. The first time it was just too cold and I was doing like 20 miles a day, which is pushing it. And the second time was last summer. It was right before grad school. I had two weeks off. Maybe I had three weeks off. I had enough time to do it, but I would have had to really push. So partway through, I realized I didn't want to do that. I wanted to just take my time and like actually take in the sites I was seeing and stay in all those tiny shelters. So I ended up not doing it. But my intent is that uh, me and my girlfriend are going to hike it once I'm done with physical therapy school and we will actually complete the whole thing. That sounds like a better time to embark on a big project. Yes. Hiking the long trail. I won't be doing 20 miles a day. I'll be taking it slower. Good. I'm curious if you have any thoughts about um, taking on a challenge like building the tiny house while also taking on the challenge of, you know, going through school. <laughs> do you feel like one took away from the other at all or did they kind of add up to, to kind of help each other? I think it gave me really good balance. Um, it ensured that on the weekends I wasn't just focusing on school all the time. And we would, me and my mom would spend like nine hours a day on the weekends working on it. So it filled my weekends. I very much like always need to be doing things and I have a hard time when I'm standing still. So it was a good way for me to keep my time very full, but like productive at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I, as somebody who works basically on a computer all the time, I also find that doing projects where I actually make something are those those kinds of projects are really satisfying in a way that like writing or producing this podcast even it's it all happens in the computer and it's just a different feeling. Mm-hmm. One really cool thing was that when I started it, like I said, I was really shy, didn't really talk to people that much. But throughout building it, I had all these people that I went to school with that I lived with while I was building it, and they just wanted to help with it. So I had all of these women come down and help me with it. And it just became like 95% of the house has been built by women. And it's been really cool just like all these people who had never worked on anything construction-wise and were intimidated by it. Like having people come down and install a window or like put a door on or even doing the roof beam, it was just really cool that all these people wanted to be involved in the process and help me with it and just giving them that ability to be like, yeah, I did put a window in or I put a door on. So That's so cool. 95% yes. built by women. Yeah. And then my brother helped some. Yes. 5% my, two, built, my two brothers. 5% yeah. brothers, 95%. Yes. I like it. Yes. And how long? I don't know. I can't remember if we got this on the on the interview how long has the whole build taken it's been two and a half years yep um it'll be three years at the end of the summer and um everything the electric and the spray foam um and the roof were all someone else did them 
for me. I contracted those out just because electric intimidates me. Um, spray foam is really hard to do by yourself. And um, the roof, I just stay on time with school. Right. Plus, it's, it's a standing seam roof, which yes. are great for shedding snow, but difficult to install yourself. Yes. Well, it is truly a beautiful house. You should be really proud of, of everything that you've accomplished. Thank you. Um, one thing that I like to ask all of my guests is what are two or three resources? You already mentioned a few, but maybe you can restate them or there are different ones. Just two or three resources that helped you out along the way that you want to share with others. Um, definitely Dan Lush, Tiny Home Builders, both the book and the e-workshop. And he actually, the plans I got from him and the trailer I got from him. He custom builds his trailers to fit the plans. Awesome. And he delivers them, which not having a car was huge. Yes. Yes. And um, then also I've read D. Williams' The Big Tiny, which is probably a classic one to go to. But um, that one, it wasn't so much about the how-tos of building, but sort of the aesthetic of it and just the ethos and just like reading about how minimalist she is like she can fit everything on a piece of paper that was in her house yeah it's Um, amazing that's really cool awesome yeah so I think just for getting that perspective and really knowing why you want to live in a tiny house and what you're getting out of it is really important yeah well said yeah well Sierra Martin thank you so much for hosting me hosting the first uh in-person recording of the Tiny House Lifestyle podcast. And thanks for being a guest on the show. No problem. Thank you for having me. It's been great showing you it and having you here to see it. Thank you so much to Sierra Martin for being a guest on the show. You can find the show notes from today's episode, including links to Sierra's Instagram profile and lots of photos of her adorable tiny house at thetinyhouse.net slash 069. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 069. Thank you to Sierra Martin for being a guest on the show, and thank you to this week's sponsor, Jamaica Cottage Shop. Well, that's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast. I want to tell you about the sponsor for today's episode, Jamaica Cottage Shop, pioneers of the PCK, or pre-cut kit. You can literally build one of hundreds of buildings from sheds to tiny houses and even larger cabins yourself. All of the precision cut pieces for the building come labeled and color coded with clear, easy to follow instructions shipped to you for free almost anywhere in North America. The kits are 100% made in the USA from rough sawn hemlock and eastern white pine. I personally used a Jamaica Cottage Shop pre-cut kit when I needed to build a 5 foot by 8 foot storage shed for my tiny house, and the cost was literally less than if I had gone to the lumberyard to buy the raw materials myself. Plus, having all the pieces pre-cut and labeled saved a ton of build time. Right now, Jamaica Cottage Shop is offering listeners of our show $100 off a purchase of $1,000 or more. Just head over to jamaicacottageshop.com slash THLP and use or mention the coupon code THLP when you order. That's jamaicacottageshop.com slash THLP, coupon code THLP, for $100 off a purchase of $1,000 or more. Limit one use per customer, expires November 30th, 2019. 
cannot be combined with any other promotion and does not apply to past or current orders. Thank you so much to Jamaica Cottage Shop for sponsoring our show.